Hi, this is Amber. And this is Lisa. And you're listening to Unexplained Arkansas, a new podcast that explores urban legends, mysteries, and the unsolved in the natural state. We're just two best friends discussing the unexplained in Arkansas. Welcome to Unexplained Arkansas. This is Amber. And this is Lisa. And we, <laughs> and we are podcasting from Lisa's house tonight. So we're both in the same spot. And we it's are. always funny when we do that because we end up doing way too much and then sitting down to podcast and we're both like, oh, we're tired. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was just me that was tired today. Because nah. yeah, I just ate I'm... a bunch of Chinese food and <laughs> we uh, did a lot of running around before we yes. got here. We went, yes, we went all over Searcy and then got Panda Express from Harding's campus. Yes. True yes. story. We did. Yes. And also we just, Good. also we just drew for our mm-hmm. prize winner. We finally reached a thousand followers on Facebook and a and thousand. Instagram. Yes, Yay. and a thousand followers on Instagram. So that's very exciting. Yeah, so go check that out. You you uploaded that reel. Um, it was Tracy Martin, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. And Yay. all that is uploaded. We'll get with her to get her her prize. So awesome. Yay. It's okay. going to be epic. Yes. We'll have her post. We'll have her post. So. Yes. And then we'll okay, share. so today we are going to talk about the case of uh, Ruby Stapleton. Uh, Ruby Lowry mm-hmm. Stapleton of Cersei. And yes. we decided to create a three-part series on Ruby Stapleton's case because <laughs> there was just so much that mm-hmm. has uh, that, that went into the case, which happened in the 60s. And there's still so much to this day to talk about. Um, there's lots of things regarding the opening of her case for her family and an FOIA request that we'll get into. There's just lots of... Um, different uh, avenues that we are going to talk about the background of the case um, the uh, suspects and then the investigation and where the investigation is right now because this crime was not solved it is Mm -hmm. still an unexplained unsolved murder yes and i actually oh oh, go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say i grew you know grew up here like you and I had no, not heard about it so until recently. Yeah, you had. But. I had. Uh, my great grandmother was. Um, well, she used the same laundry mat as Ruby, and she was mm. very um, interested in this case. My mother and my my aunts they were telling me that um, she would talk about this all the time in the '60s because it just worried her sick. Because they, mm-hmm. like I said, they never found out who had. Um, who the perpetrator was. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this was something that kind of turned Cersei upside down for a little bit of time there Mm -hmm. in the early 60s. Yeah. And there were some suspects, which we'll get into all that. But for the most Mm -hmm. part, Cersei lived in absolute fear for a few months at the end of 1963. Mm -hmm. But we will talk about all that. So let's just start out with some background about Cersei. Cersei is the county seat of White uh, White County. The population right now is 23,098. But in 1960, the population was 7,272. So that's a big, that's a big mm-hmm. leap. So yeah. from 7,000 to 23,000. We've had huge growth. 
Mm-hmm. We have, yes. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you didn't know that, this is the town that Lisa and I reside in. So this is our mm-hmm. hometown. We went to high hometown. school here. Hometown. Yeah, all the things. Yes. All the things. <clears throat> all the things. Allegedly. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we were there. You were probably were there we? more than me. <laughs> okay. So Searcy is a college town as well. And there are two mm-hmm. colleges here. There's ASUBB at Searcy. And then there's also Harding University. Harding mm-hmm. is a private Christian university affiliated with the Churches of Christ. And it was founded in 1924. And its main campus is in, Thir- in, is in Searcy. However, it, mm-hmm. uh, it was in Moralton until mm-hmm. 1934, which... Ruby Stapleton mm-hmm. actually helped with that whole move from Moralton to yes. Cersei. So, and uh, I'm just going to plug this real fast. Sure. So, if if you're a new listener or haven't listened to many, go back and listen to our very first episode, which was the Galloway Gertie, the Ghost yes. of Harding University, which was really yes. like talks about how Harding University was the Galloway College of Women before it was Harding. So, anyway, go back yes. and listen. If you're interested in Harding history, we have all mm-hmm. of that in the very first or, episode. Yes. Or ghost or staff. Yeah, go, yeah, go if back. you haven't listened to all of them, go back and just, you know, go through all per- 18 of them. Per- oh, yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Peruse them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So okay. let's let's start out with Ruby's background. Frances Ruby Lowry was mm-hmm. born February 27th, 1904. So we're... So her birthday is coming up. What is today? The 23rd? So her... No, no, 21st. No, 22nd. It's the 22nd. Today's the 22nd. (laughs) Well, I um, I didn't do anything today. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry. Well, she would be... How old would she be? Uh, 120 years old? 1904? 1904, yeah. She'd be... Wow. She'd be 120 if she was still (laughs) alive today. Wow. That would be monumentally uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, she was born in 1904 in Davenport, mm-hmm. Nebraska. She was mm-hmm. the daughter of Benjamin Franklin Lowry and oh. Clara, Eliz- Clara Isabel Lowry. In the early 1920s, she enrolled in Harding University, which, of course, was at Moralton during mm-hmm. this time. And she was at, of course, Harding for a few years, and she was the only graduate in 1926, because the classes were pretty small back then. Yeah. Yeah. So she was the only graduate. And while she was there, she was voted best all-around girl. Actually, she was (laughs) voted best all-around girl two different years, in 1925 and 1926. And she was also the editor of the 1926 Petty Jean, which is Hmm. the yearbook. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. And she was... She was busy. She was, and she was an English major. She participated in various activities and was very involved in academic and social activities mm-hmm. around campus. Um, yeah, and so she was she, very pretty. We've we've posted was. some pictures. Yeah, she yes, was she was gorgeous. Very she pretty. had that nineteen twenties flapper haircut mm-hmm. and um, you know very stylish for the times. Mm-hmm. I went to the Harding Library. We went tonight, but I had also went Monday as well and looked through a lot of yearbooks. And I looked through the yearbooks from the 1920s that she was in. And then I also looked in the 60s when she was back as faculty. So that was a really cool thing to to kind of peruse and look through. Yeah. And she really was part of Harding history. You know, she was a very mm-hmm. important part at um, the beginning of Harding. And of course, you know, regarding their move from Moralton mm-hmm. to Cersei. Yeah. 
So she had a lot, um, she had a lot going for her. Um, so she of course came back to Harding after she got her master's degree. She got her master's degree from the university of Oklahoma in English. And then she came back to be a teacher for Harding university. So she was a, at the time she was a current English professor. She was an associate professor of English. And, you know, if you're wondering the difference between assistant associate and full professor, for instance, I'm an assistant professor. I just, you know, I just started in my career six years ago and I was an instructor and then I moved up to assistant professor. And then the next step is associate professor and then full professor. (laughs) So she was pretty far, you know, in her career. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Did she, So, so... So you said, what year did she come back to Harding to teach? She came back to Harding in the 30s, I think in 1934 or 32, no, 1932. She graduated from the University of Oklahoma in 1931, and then she was um, employed again by Harding in 1932. So she was in Harding from 1932 to 1963. So that's a lot of years. Oh, wow. That is until her. a long time. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so as a faculty member, sorry, was, that was Paris. <laughs> I was just gonna say, what was that? You, you have Paris behind you. Yes, I was gonna say that was yes. As a faculty <laughs> member, she supervised the moving of Harding College furniture from Moralton to Searcy in nineteen thirty-four. And like I said, she as a student, she was the editor of the Pedigene, but then she went on as a faculty member to sponsor the Pedigene and the Bison. And this oh, is wow. all according to the Harding Bulletin that came out in 1963 that had mm-hmm. kind of a memoriam to her. Mm-hmm. Now, she was a member of National Council of Teachers of English and a charter member of South Central Modern Language Association. And okay. she was a past secretary of the Arkansas Teachers of College English and a past president and secretary of the American Association of University Women. So awesome. very, very talented, very, um, very mm-hmm. much school oriented. She was into all the activities, all the things. Wow. And yes, she uh, also was responsible for founding the Harding College Press by mm-hmm. donating pieces of equipment to them. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. So she, yep. I mean, she really earned her best all around girl. Yeah. I think yeah. she stayed the best all <laughs> around like. her entire mm-hmm. time, you know, as a yeah. young girl. And then as a faculty member, Sounds she was like very, it. she was very well loved. And mm-hmm. according to the Harding Bulletin, she was um, a very friendly person, had a friendly smile and a helpful attitude. Mm-hmm. And also in that same bulletin, uh, Dean Elsie Sears said that I feel that Mrs. Stapleton was one of the most loyal and dedicated teachers that were ever on the Harding campus and mm-hmm. one of the best loved. Oh, no wow. one kept up with students after they left Harding as well as she did. So yeah, well, very, very sad. Yeah. To be a, I don't know, to be a professor and be that loved by students like teenagers or, Mm -hmm. you know, young people. That's true. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) She was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It was a, it's a hard job. It's the job I've had for 15 years working with teenagers and young adults. And that's a hard job. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's Ruby. That's just, Oh, and she did marry. And um, let me, she did marry a man named E.R. Stapleton. And they had two Mm -hmm. children. 
And um, he was a professor as well. He was a professor of business at Harding College for a while. And then he moved on and um, they lived apart actually for about 10 years. So during the time of this disappearance, they were not living together. He was living in Wisconsin, teaching in Wisconsin, and she was living here in Searcy, still teaching for Harding. But we'll get into all of that a little bit later. Okay, Mm -hmm. gotcha. Yes. So stay tuned, people. Yes, yes. Um, So the disappearance starts on Tuesday, October the 8th. Ruby was, um, you know, Ruby just had an average day, reportedly, a day like every other day. She Mm -hmm. taught her first class that morning around nine o'clock. And then her last class ended at 4.30 p.m. So Mm -hmm. she did all that as normal. Later on, uh, after her daughter and niece left for the Harding Library, uh, they all had dinner together. And then they, um, her daughter and niece, because that's who she lived with. She lived with her daughter and, and a her niece, niece. Okay. Yes, who were both Harding students at the time. And they left to go to the Harding Library. And then Ruby left soon, too. And she and spent we, the... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'll interject here. So me and Ambie did try to go um, locate her home. So it said... Um, that she had lived at 910 uh, Center, which they didn't say which center. So it kind of took me a minute. But it looks like she, like their house at the time, like right now, it's like the parking lot that's right there by the kind of the main Harding sign. Yes, the main Harding sign. And so that walk, they would have just walked over to the library, huh? Yeah, I mean, they would have just. Yes, she lived very close so she lived to the right university. On campus. Mm-hmm. She lived I mean, it was like right, right in front of one of the archway signs that mm-hmm. um, that are just um, the at the mm-hmm. north of the university entrance. And so it would have been just a very short walk for them yes. to go to the library. So they would have probably the, been really pretty too. Yes, yes. October. That campus leaves. is beautiful. Yeah, yeah it that is. Campus. It is. Okay. Um, so the girls went to the library and then Ruby left for the evening. She, um, spent the evening at her son's house playing with her grandchildren and her son lived on the South part of, well, he lived outside the city limits and okay. South of Searcy. So mm-hmm. probably, you know, probably near the 67 area, but she mm-hmm. stayed at her son's home until approximately 9 PM and then left for the wash on South main street in Searcy. And that okay. is where the first part of this crime takes place is in that wash And it oh, does say that, well, I did, you know, cause Ambie is the lead on this, but she did ask me to read a little bit on it. Yes. And then she kept sending me stuff. Did you yes. not? True. All true. <laughs> okay. But I did read, because so, I was thinking in my head, like, why was she at this washateria like that late on a Tuesday? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that why? Was my first- but it did say that evidently, you know, like you said, her son had small children and mm-hmm. their dryer had had broken down. Mm-hmm. And so she was going to help them by taking his wet clothes. They had yes. wet clothes and to get them dry. And then she had a few things too. So. Yes, that, that was true. was weird to me that she would be there, but that made sense to me knowing, hey, she they had wet clothes that had to be dried, so it was like a it was a necessity situation. Yes. So now, an employee of the washeteria also reported that she had seen Ruby there between nine and ten ten p.m. and then the the worker um, left, but the worker stated that Ruby still had a whole wash cycle of clothes to go, which would be approximately mm-hmm. twenty minutes. So she had another. A load of laundry in the washing machine 
when this uh, worker left for the evening. And that was the last known physical sighting of Ruby was right there at that moment. At that moment. Find out later. Yes. And what time was that? Because I think it was between that was between nine and 10, 10 PM was when she was there. The Washateria worker left at about 10, 10 is why they put that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is the last scene. Yes. And so this must've been a very quick situation because at approximately 10 55, a Washateria mm-hmm. customer came in and found the place mm-hmm. empty. And what I read was it was a young boy that was picking up clothes for his mother. Um, yes. that they had left in the dryer. So after that, um, you know, that they don't know, they don't, they don't mm-hmm. know what happened between that 10, 10 and 10, 55. Okay. So that about, yeah. about 45 minutes, but they do know that she left the laundry in the dryer. Mm-hmm. So it takes mm-hmm. about 20 minutes. It said for one of those washing machines to go through the cycle. So oh. obviously it was 20 minutes after 10, 10. So that would make it mm-hmm. 10 30. And then she put the clothes in the dryer, but the clothes in the dryer were still damp. So to mm-hmm. me, so they had been pretty fresh by 10 55 or whatever. Well, to me, there's a 25 minute gap there. Mm-hmm. So you have the worker that left at 10:10, and then she was, she still had that whole wash cycle of clothes. So you've got mm-hmm. 20 minutes, right? Yeah. And then the clothes were washed, put in and the they dryer, were... and then at that point she was probably taken. And then about 20, 25 minutes later, that boy comes in, and the place is empty. So whatever yeah. happened happened during that very short time period. Allegedly, apparently. Yeah. Did it say if her, like, I know her clothes were still there, but did they find, like, because I know her car was still in the parking lot or whatever. Yes, her car was still in the parking lot. And we'll get to that in just a second. Our car was still there. Like, was her purse there? Uh, Yeah, everything. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Everything um, was just left. I think, I think her purse was there. I Well, okay. actually, I don't know for sure. Because I I that wasn't in the notes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That, I thought that was kind of, well, and maybe, you know, I don't know. But I was just well, thinking, now, okay, was her purse there? Maybe it was in the car. Maybe she didn't even take her purse in. But you would think she be. had, well, I know she needed money. But I think I did read something that said that it was already paid for. Like, I don't know. She had already paid. Like, mm-hmm. everything was, like, like paid. Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know about the purse, but that's an interesting hmm. question. Okay, hmm. so Ruby was reported missing at midnight. So okay. all this that we found out about that happened at 10 o'clock, this, mm-hmm. they found this out the next day. But Ruby was reported missing at approximately midnight. Cersei Patrol Officers Aiden Woodruff and Dean Hunter were the officers that took the initial report. Now, let me tell you here that where I got mm-hmm. most of my information, now I've found all kinds of sources. I use AY Magazine, the Democrat Gazette, um, but I mostly used old articles from the daily citizen from Mm -hmm. October, 1963. And boy, was that time consuming. (laughs) (laughs) And I put, I put pictures uh, and video of, of the (laughs) microfilm machine. And Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was just as, it was fun to me. I like stuff like that, but I was about to say you were having the time of your life. (laughs) 
really like was. Like in Dirty Dancing. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but, yes. you know, it took me a while to get through them all. But most of what mm-hmm. I'm telling you today came from those articles. And people in the 1960s said a lot more in articles mm-hmm. than they do today. So I got some good information, some of which I didn't find in the newer articles. And we'll wow. talk about that. Like, I had no idea they tried to cancel Halloween in Cersei, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I saw that. Like, yeah, they it's wanted, crazy. Yeah. They were scared. Mm-hmm. But we'll get the killer. To that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Cersei police chief at the time was Wayman mm-hmm. Gorey and the White County Sheriff what? at the time, Wayman Gorey. Gorey? Gorey. Like, like like G-O-R-E-E, gory, gory. Okay, but still, gory. I think you say it gory, yeah. All right, so the White County Sheriff at the time was Jack Mm -hmm. Price. I don't know either of these people. Um, Yeah. So the officer, well, I wasn't born in the 60s, but but I did (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Well, but I I did work in, you know, police stuff for a while, but I've never heard of these two. Okay, so the officers- Oh, oh, can I interject? Sorry. Of course, anytime you want to. My show <laughs> is your show. Yeah. It's my show. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, so listen. So I did understand from my friend at the Cersei PD that at that time, there might have only been like maybe six officers even on the police force at And that that's time. totally, that is totally yes. true. Because mm-hmm. even when I worked for the police department, you know, what, 16, 17 years ago, we yeah. would have, you know, nine rotate out during the day, mm-hmm. plus the sergeants. But still, yeah. you know, that was three in one shift mm-hmm. and then three in the next and three in the next, right? So, yeah, I mean, I can totally I mean, see and, it being yeah. small. And the population, of course, was only 7,000 at that time, too. So, yeah. it was just a much smaller town. I mean, people were leaving their laundry at the laundromat and just leaving it and coming back for it. <laughs> It was pretty trusting time frame. Well, I've seen people do that these days too. Really? Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I had to go, remember when our power was out, like my entire oh, yes. neighborhood and it was like, what, the second or third day of that. And I yes. had to do laundry because I live with, you know, four mm-hmm. boys. So I have to yeah. do laundry a lot. Um, but I ended up going to the washateria or whatever you call the laundromat and my neighbor, some of the women from my neighborhood, we all went and I was like, Oh, this is so sweet. Like when all the women used to go to the Creek and do laundry. Oh my God. (laughs) And they were like, you're so weird, Amber. I'm like, no, but that's, you know, you are weird. I am. I love you. I love your weirdness. I like laundromats. I like it. I like the sound. I like the smell. I mean, I just, I loved going in college. I would go at least once a week. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're so crazy. Can I tell my Washateria story? Sure. Real quick. Sorry. This is not probably the place in the time, but my dad is so quirky. And so he was giving my nephew, Brendan, a hard time like this summer. And he would be like, well, Brendan, let's go pick up some girls. I'll go with you to the Washateria. And we were like, and we were like cracking up because, you know, we thought he made that up for one thing. We thought he was just like being ridiculous, you know, but anyway, he was like, yeah, let's just go pick up some girls. So anyway, so I can literally tell my dad that it is, you were correct. And we were crazy thinking you were 
insane talking. Well, I guess so. I guess I could have gotten picked up at col- in college at the Washington. <laughs> I like to be there. I did. Yeah. Hey, Amber, let's go to the Washateria. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it was it was a very popular place. Like my great grandmother mm-hmm. went there all the time. Yeah. Like I said, um, you know, this was why I think she was just so like fascinated by this case and yeah. you know my mom said she, she went to that one, to death. Right? yeah she, she mm-hmm. went she went to that one so she knew her um, and see, for people in Cersei like because we went by there tell them it was by the the angel's food mart okay yes it was the washteria and then what was called angel's food mart and it was out on south main and Cersei so to, to kind of tell you where it's at now, it would be a little north of um, what used to be our second hospital, which is now Rehab Center, and mm-hmm. kind of north of the public pool, all that. Uh, it's right when you come into town. So, yeah. um, and it's right, like right now, it is blank, like that whole corner. Yeah. It used to have the Bible house or it whatever. Did. And now that corner is blank. Like there's like there's nothing, nothing there. there. There's nothing <laughs> so. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did the Bible um, house burn down? Am I crazy? I think, so. Did that happen? I think that's what happened, okay. but I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. So back to the case. So Ruby was at this laundromat the last time she was seen. This okay. is um, what she was wearing. She was wearing a black and white checkered dress and black shoes. And of course she had her black rimmed glasses that she mm-hmm. always wore. She was uh, a white female with black hair, brown eyes. She was 135 pounds and five foot five. So that's mm-hmm. all the basics of what she, she looked like. So she was tiny. She was tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, White County Chief Deputy Benson Robbins was in charge mm-hmm. of the initial investigation. So his name will keep kind of popping up in this as well. And so it wasn't until midnight. So it was going into October 9th, 1963. That and did her, did, did her daughter call in? Yes, her like, daughter and, and her niece came home and she wasn't there. And okay. so, you know, when she never returned from the laundromat, that's when they made the police report at midnight. Okay. Yes. And I did, and it took me a while, but I did find a picture of the laundromat and Angel's Food Mart. And it had, yes, it had been in one of those old Daily Citizen newspaper editions, but I have that on, um, on Facebook if anybody wants to look at that. It's really cool looking. Yeah. I love old pictures. Yes. Now here's the other interesting thing, and we will get more into this aspect of the case in part two. But the same night that Ruby disappeared, there were two businesses that had also been burglarized. And those two businesses were in the same area of town. Where this Mm. happened was what we call our industrial part of Cersei. So it's over there by Land of Frost and all the factories or whatever. And two, um, two tire places were burglarized. The Mm. tire service on South Main and then Brookshire Tire and Retreading. But Hmm. only a very small amount of money was taken. And when I say a small amount, I mean a couple of dollars. Wow. And how one of them, I remember reading one of them, like they broke in through a window in the door to get in and to get Mm -hmm. that. So so just to get a few dollars, to get a few dollars. Yes. Mm -hmm. So just that will come into play later. And like I said, we will talk more about that part in uh, the second part of the series. So just to talk about, the initial search for Ruby. And some of this was news to me and I didn't uh, 
know some of these details until I read the Daily Citizen articles from 1963. But on Wednesday, October 9th was when they started looking. And they estimate... Sorry, this happened on the 6th, correct? 8th, October 8th. Oh, okay. It was... Oh, okay. So the next day they were searching. The very next day, yes. So between... 500 and 600 Harding students, faculty members, and others, including the sheriff's deputies, Searcy Police Department, Criminal Investigation Division, and an FBI observer participated in a search or saturation canvassing of the Searcy area. Now, this is what's Mm -hmm. interesting. Only male students were asked to participate in the search. And uh, that morning they had an assembly at the college and the students were instructed to go door to door in Searcy and ask residents if they had seen anything that might be connected to the disappearance. They were also told to search local wooded areas, abandoned buildings, barns, ditches, anything like that. Now, Sheriff Price was quoted at the time in The Citizen as stating that deputies had already searched the wooded areas west and south of Searcy. This mm-hmm. will also come into play, so remember that. The newspaper okay. then quoted the FBI observer, who is not named, I could not find a name, as saying th- that he could not formally get involved until there was evidence of a kidnapping. Gotcha. So that's the first okay. kind of, hmm... Hmm. Yeah, we'll have we'll have a couple well, of because, things. In- yeah, I guess they're thinking she's a grown woman. I but still, I mean, she left her clothes in her car, and I don't know. Right, that's weird. Right, that's weird. But so, can you imagine being those like Harding students and like oh, I know, yeah, being told to like I don't know. That's just it's I don't know. It that's is scary. It's very. Sad. It's very mm. traumatic, I'm sure, for, for all, because they, nothing like this had ever happened before. Yeah. But and I will say kiddos. this, as far as being um, evidently a kidnapping, the former dean, Elsie Sears, was quoted as also saying, Ruby was a woman of unusually fine judgment, well-balanced, mm. very practical. She is mm-hmm. never highly emotional. And I can't hmm. imagine her being scared. She is resourceful wow. and efficient and faces situations with calmness and confidence. All these qualities would not lead one to believe that she would simply wander off. She must have been forcibly taken. So this is quote hmm. unquote. And this is, uh, this hmm. was, like I said, in the citizen from 63 Harding also offered a thousand dollar reward for information that would lead to her whereabouts and the successful prosecution of those responsible. And okay, so yeah, so that's a lot to take in. It is. Yeah. And then at this point, investigators began thinking that there was a connection between those robberies I told you about and Mm -hmm. Ruby's disappearance. Hmm. And that, that, you know, that's a plausible explanation. Yeah. Maybe she was wrong place, wrong time, or saw something. I don't know who. Right. Who knows? Well, on Friday, so, I mean, they've been looking, uh, the Harding Mm -hmm. kids looked for a couple of days. On Friday, Mm -hmm. law enforcement officers received a tip about suspicious activity going on in a stock pond off of, uh, Hmm. off of North Highway 16. So that's up there where I'm from. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they, they had a tip because they were getting tips from all over the place at the beginning Mm -hmm. of this. So they went and they dragged the pond and they found nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Then Dean Joe Pryor of Harding at this time told the Daily Citizen he believed they uncovered clues in the canvassing that they had done a couple of days before that would prove significant. So in that same article, hmm. when they talked about dragging the pond, uh, Dean Pryor said that he felt like they had found some uh, clues while they were canvassing. What hmm. clues he was referring to, I don't know. Okay. Also, um, on Thursday, so back it up to Thursday, the Searcy Civil Air Patrol flew search missions trying to locate her. Okay. So they were searching by foot, by air. They were dragging ponds. They were they were looking. They were. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is when it gets a little bit, to me, a little bit interesting. This is okay. this is a this is a hmm moment. On Thursday, so that's October 10th, two men Mm -hmm. were arrested for allegedly calling Dr. E.R. Stapleton, Ruby's husband, and Mm -hmm. demanding money. The men who, um, they named them in the article, uh, Chandler and, uh, or Gary Chandler and uh, Carl Karash were caught making these calls from a Lubbock, Texas drugstore. Now, ER was born in Texas. When Mm -hmm. I did a search, just kind of looking at his background, he is from Texas. But at the time, he was living in Wisconsin. So the guys that were making these demands for money were caught because Stapleton kept them on the line for 30 Mm -hmm. minutes, during which time the FBI were able to locate them in the drugstore and arrest them. Okay, I wonder, was... ER like still in Wisconsin or had he come to Searcy? I just wonder. I I'm think curious. he flew. We'll see. I don't know he if he flew in the calls. That's not clear in the article, whether he was, re- whether he had received those calls while in Searcy or while still in Wisconsin. So I'll, I'll oh. have to figure that out before we do part two, but that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I'm making notes because we'll tell them later. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. And we'll tell them why Same. we'll tell them. Yeah. Why. Yep. So according to the Daily Citizen, U.S. Attorney Robert Smith of Little Rock said mm-hmm. they would be charged with wire fraud. So that's, Ooh, okay. that's what they were going to be charged with. So, so a, hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking, I guess back in that day, that was what they could get them for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And according to Lubbock Police, the two men had been in the area since October 5th. So they were cleared mm-hmm. of any charges relating to the kidnapping. Also... Gotcha. They did not make a specific reference to the disappearance of Ruby during their phone call with Mr. Stapleton. Now, Mr. Stapleton, I've seen him go uh, in articles. I've seen them call him Ray, seen them call him ER. Um, Mm -hmm. His gravestone says Emmett Ray. So I'm not really sure Hmm. which he went by. So we'll just call him. We'll just call him Dr. Stapleton from now on because he was he he was a professor of business so and i'm not Mm -hmm. sure what his first name what he liked to be called so Mm. okay but he had his doctorate i guess uh yeah because he's referred to as dr stapleton so i'm I'm assuming he has doctorate all right or his where he just liked for people to call him doctor i'm just i don't know (laughs) maybe i'm just kidding that was in sleepless in seattle Sorry. Oh yeah, I haven't Reference. seen that forever. All right, I so by movie. by the by the next week, by October fifteenth, uh-huh. Cersei Police Chief Wayman Gorey said there had been no break-ins reported in the last two nights. We are taking, uh-huh. he said, we are taking extra precautions and asking all local residents who have 
any knowledge that might be helpful in this investigation to contact us. Then on Wednesday, October 16th, the sheriff's office stated to the Daily Citizen that they had reached a point where they just have to wait for something to develop, quote unquote, Hmm. and there was nothing Hmm. to report. Yeah. They kind of done all they felt like they could at that point, I guess. That's what they said. Okay. In fact, Benson again on Friday stated to the paper, we are doing all we can. So yeah, you're right. We are doing all we can with what we have to work with in an attempt Mm -hmm. to solve this disappearance. Hmm. So yeah, they, they worked for about, I guess a week trying to run down leads. Uh, Like I said, they, they got tips from different places. There was the mention of, of clues or uh, interesting information that had been, um, gathered during the canvassing, but there was still no sign of Ruby. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. Scary. I'm sure her, eh, I, I don't know. Her poor, her poor son was probably like devastated that he, that she, I don't know. Yeah. I just can imagine if it was like my mom and yeah. I and her daughter and her niece. Yeah. And they yeah. were just yes. college kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the, the boy was a little older, but mm-hmm. um, they were still just kids. And their mother yes. had disappeared. Just terrible. Mm. It is terrible. Um, okay. So exactly, almost exactly 10 days later, mm-hmm. Ruby's unclothed and decomposed body, unfortunately, was found in a dry creek bed two miles northeast of BB. Uh, and I actually drove that way on the way home from work uh, yesterday to try to just look at the area. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I found the exact location, but I was in the right area. And it's very close to Highway 67. And um, it's just right off this gravel road. Mm-hmm. Um, she was found in the Bull Creek area by a man who was squirrel hunting. Mm-hmm. And the area. Can you imagine coming oh, up gosh, on that? No. Absolutely Ugh, not. That'd be awful. Yeah. The <sighs> area was wooded, but only a few feet from a gravel road and a few hundred feet from US 67, which is okay. where, which is where I was yesterday. Um, and I put pictures of that also on Facebook. Ruby was found so, approximately 15 miles away from the Washeteria. Wow. So it kind of feels, I mean, like perhaps someone that at least knew that area. I mean, I don't know how accessible or, I mean, you said a gravel road, correct? I mean. Yeah, it was, it was the first, like if you're going south towards BB on the, what we call the old highway, mm-hmm. it is uh, the, the gravel road right before you get to Bull Creek. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So someone, I don't know. You had to be a little bit familiar at least. Perhaps. Maybe. I mean, cause that mm-hmm. no one lives down there even now. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I drove that way and I didn't really see very many Anybody? houses, anything. Yeah. It was wow. very desolate still to this hmm. day, 60 years later. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, So according to the 1963 October Harding Bulletin that we pulled, uh, George Benson, Dr. George Benson, who is the namesake of the Benson Auditorium, by the way, he -hmm. announced the discovery of um, Ruby um, during a time when the students were all together. They were watching a movie and they were watching the movie Imitation of Life. It did state which movie they were watching. The body was then immediately taken to UAMS in Little Rock, where an autopsy was performed by County Coroner Alan Foster. 
Foster stated in the report that a wad of cotton about the size of a man's fist was found in Ruby's throat. The throat also showed a fracture that appeared to be from strangulation. So her death certificate, which I pulled her death certificate, lists strangulation as the official cause of death. It had also, though, Mm. been a very hot October. And if you're not from uh, if you're not from mm-hmm. Arkansas, if you're one of our listeners that are not from Arkansas, sometimes we still have mm-hmm. pretty hot Octobers, yeah. humid and Octobers. Humid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this was one of those times. There were yeah. 90 degree days during that Ew. time period when Gosh. she was missing. So her body had been exposed to those 90 degree days of uh, 90 degree heat days for at mm-hmm. least a week. Yeah. So that made identification very difficult. So to Mm -hmm. get a proper identification, they had to use dental records, which Mm -hmm. had been provided by Ruby's dentist in Searcy. Now, Mm -hmm. remember I told you that she was wearing that black and white checkered dress. Well, that was not found anywhere Mm -hmm. near the scene. And, um, you know, her shoes were not found. And I'm assuming Mm -hmm. her glasses weren't found either because Mm -hmm. they only found a button and a part Mm -hmm. of a belt that the family recognized as part of what she had on. Hmm. Now, according to AY Magazine, who did an in-depth study on this case several years back, there were three or four long abrasions or cuts on the abdomen, starting in Mm -hmm. the area of the genitalia and running upward to the areas of the breasts. The coroner could not determine, like I said, though, the exact time of death or if a sexual assault had taken place due to that advanced state of decomposition. Mm. So we don't know. They do not know if there was any kind of a sexual assault that took place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Just to be dumped like ugh, like a piece of trash. Like so many times that happens, you know, in these cases that people are just dumped, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just sad. I mean, it's just sad what happened to her. And to I mean, can you even imagine like like the cotton ball that that in itself i mean just to be struggling and then to be strained i mean like i don't know it yeah. sounds it's, horrific it's hor- like whoever did horrible. that was horrific yeah yeah Ugh. yeah and so Ugh. according to jack price who of course was the sheriff at the time we've had to work almost in the dark from the start on this case because until mm. the body we had um we didn't have really have a crime to investigate which i don't know mm-hmm. if i agree with that because the woman was gone and it was obvious that she had well, been taken. Yeah, but I guess he's saying that they really didn't no body, have no crime is what he's saying. Yeah. And I guess that's still to this day um a problem just like with you know, we've mentioned the Jared Green thing. Um Right. Go to our go to our website, go to Justice for Jared. But anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean I guess that yeah. I guess it's hard for them to do anything without a body. But they knew that obviously she was you know, something happened. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, two 19-year-olds, one from BB and one from Judsonia, were arrested Mm -hmm. at the same time. I found Mm -hmm. this article in the the paper, and they were charged in connection with several of those White County break-ins. So there had been several during that time. So like I said, this was a story from the same newspaper. Um, It did not list their names, so I don't know exactly what happened after but the article did say that the teens admitted to break-ins in Kinsett and Judsonia 
Hmm. And as of that pub, no, no. And as of that publication date, there were no charges. Mm. Yeah. So the body was found and it was taken for the autopsy and then it was brought back to Cersei. Ruby's Mm -hmm. family then held a funeral on Wednesday, October 23rd at the Harding College Auditorium. Dr. George Mm. S. Benson read her obituary and talked about her life of service. And then the funeral address was given by Dean Sears and then an an acapella choir sang. Mm. Wow. Oh, I bet that was beautiful and so sad for all the students and faculty and their family. Oh, just so sad. Very, very sad. Um, so Dr. Benson said the murder is extremely shocking and she was Mm -hmm. evidently killed immediately after being taken from the washeteria Mm -hmm. and the body was probably deposited where it was found the same night. It is hoped that the reward money will lead to the discovery of these responsible for her death. And that's quote unquote from the daily citizen. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, in my head, I guess, well, did it mention, did it ever mention like if they had like, you know, cause that whoever did this had to drive. I mean, she was dumped 15 miles away and they didn't use her car. So I'm just wondering no. if they had any type of, of you know tire tracks or something in the you know the parking lot or any, anything that I like don't that. I don't know but like you said her station wagon was still sitting mm-hmm. in the parking lot of the laundromat hmm. yeah so you know years went by and when I say years I mean years went by mm. and um, there were just fewer and fewer leads um, you know people like I said began to forget about it. Like you said, you weren't very aware of I the didn't. case. And I, I knew Never about heard it. about it. Some of the stuff I've found out this week, I didn't know. So mm-hmm. yeah. So a lot of this has, has kind of just fell into the shadows, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you this, that right after her disappearance, the town of Cersei was really on edge. And I could tell that because I read mm-hmm. all the newspapers from um, the week of and the week after, and then mm-hmm. up until I think October 31st is when I quit reading. But mm-hmm. the, the articles, they, you could tell the reporters were very invested in this and that they were asking all the right questions. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a crazy time in Cersei, yeah. but the city officials wanted to curtail the Halloween festivities that mm-hmm. year because well, for three reasons. First, because of this unsolved murder. Secondly, because there were so many break-ins in White County. And third, mm-hmm. because people were putting their guns by the door. People had yeah. weapons out. And you've got trick-or-treaters. You've got prankers mm-hmm. on Halloween. And so the city thought that it was just a very bad combination. So mm-hmm. they wanted, they had talked about doing a uh, curfew of 7 p.m., but they didn't mm. do a, they didn't do a curfew. They just asked that parents and children please quit trick-or-treating and go inside by 7 p.m. Okay. Yeah. Well, and they you know, wouldn't, yeah. yeah, but they wouldn't enact a curfew unless they saw a bunch of people still out on the street on Thursday mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Yeah. As a parent, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds yeah, good. I can, I <laughs> yeah. can probably get with that too. But mayor at the, as mayor a teenager, the time, let's be honest, as a teenager, we've been like, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as uh, a parent, yes. 
Um, but the the mayor of Cersei at the time was Leslie Carmichael, which I'm assuming that's oh. what the Carmichael Center is named yeah. after. But I yes. don't know. I'm just assuming. Uh, yeah, I think said, I believe it is. There's okay. like a plaque there. Yeah. Well, he said um, he said we realize that Halloween is a time when our young people like to have a good time and let off steam, but we also are very conscious of the danger to their safety brought on by the edginess of the community over the tragic murder of Mrs. Stapleton mm-hmm. and the series of break-ins in the area recently. We certainly mm-hmm. don't want to have another tragedy because we failed to bring the situation to public attention. Yeah. So the mayor. Uh, the mayor's reference was to reports that many Cersei citizens, like I said, had armed themselves or placed mm. shotguns near doors to, Yikes. you know, to curtail the possible intruders. So, mm-hmm. And and they knew that, you know, pranking, that's just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. part of it. Um, also, something that I found very interesting, like I said, the citizen was all over this for weeks and weeks, and then it just mm-hmm. kind of stopped. But wow. um, the police said... In the newspaper article um, that I'm looking at right now, police officials and county law enforcement officers today joined in a pledge to inform the public of any and all information on the murder and break-ins as soon as this information is considered um, pertinent. You know what just hit me, though? What? So, literally a month after her funeral, so we're talking November 23 of 63, you know what happened. Which would have taken JFK? Is that yes, JFK? So, yes. So he, yeah, it just hit me. I was like, oh, so that probably. I'm just saying, for like a month in the paper, they were probably yeah, like whole, all about Ruby. But was then in shock at that time. Yes. So then it would have been all about JFK. Oh my gosh. So that's, that's a yeah. really really good point. Yeah. <sighs> but it, like I said, they kept talking about the tension in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they also said in the same article, uh, law enforcement said that one contributing factor to the tension was mm-hmm. a seemingly endless line of uh, totally unfounded rumors concerning the mm. investigations. Yeah, well, and, of course. You know, <laughs> small town. <laughs> that happens now. Town. Yeah, that, that happens does. now. <laughs> that does. That does. Okay. When it's not a murder. <laughs> exactly. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we are going to look at... Um, we're going to look very quickly at the suspects and then we will talk more about each one of these in Mm -hmm. episode two, but I wanted to at least look at the suspects. So of course, you know, when a woman disappears or when a woman is murdered, who's usually the first person that police look to. I think there's literally a t-shirt that says it's, it's the spouse. spouse. Yes. Yes. (laughs) The husband did. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I mean, but of course we know that's not true. It's it's not always like that, but, but in law enforcement. And we talked about that in the mod mod crawford deal we too, did so. we did mm-hmm. um but usually they'll look at the husband first because mm-hmm. and they do this because statistically that's usually it's someone you know it's mm-hmm. someone you know exactly mm-hmm. um so husband, boyfriends whatever mm-hmm. at one point and this is i'm just gonna say he was allegedly a, a potential suspect okay mm-hmm. this, uh E- uh, ER, was. ER gotcha. yeah, Dr. Stapleton. So Dr. Stapleton was born in Hunt County, Texas in 1905. Um, he and um, I think he, he and. Um, so he was a little younger Ruby. than her. Wow. He was, he was a year younger, okay. but they married in the thirties and they had okay. you know their children. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, they lived apart for Mm -hmm. 10 years so at the time of this disappearance he was not in arkansas he was in wisconsin teaching yeah Yeah. so in the beginning 
Like mm-hmm. I said, this was a very active, involved case. And LEA, they looked at everybody, everything. They had several tips. And they started looking at Dr. Stapleton. Now, this mm-hmm. is according to AY Magazine, who did an mm-hmm. in-depth study on this. And I think they did look at some of the case file. They, okay. um, they said that law enforcement conducted an in-depth interview with Dr. Stapleton. Ruby and he were still legally married, but had been living apart for 10 years, and he was teaching in Wisconsin at the time. Now, police looked at the possibility of Raymond's sexual orientation and the relationships that he had had with men as something that could have led to a blackmail plot. So that was Hmm. one of their early theories. Now, the couple did own property, and they did have bank accounts. They had had some money. So the file says... Mm -hmm. You know, to prove this, the file says Ruby wrote checks to Raymond when he needed money. And okay. according to AY Magazine, which was the only place I saw this, but he was a big spender, whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Ruby deposited over $13,000 in June of 1963. And on the same day, wrote Dr. Stapleton a check for $7,617. That's so a she, lot of money, even it now, is. much less splitting then. it. Down That's the interesting. Middle. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Yes, that is so, interesting. Did they sell um, something? So they I sold no something? Idea maybe where that, maybe that was his part? Maybe? Yeah, I don't maybe. Know. I mean, that's yeah. a possibility. I mean, that could have been a house. I mean, at the time, you could get a house for $13,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. so who knows? They Cars could were like five? Mm-hmm. I don't know, brand new. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not speculating. I'm just, you know, they did have things that probably could have sold for that much money. Yeah. Um, but according to the police file, Raymond, or... Um, so he was called Raymond in the AY oh. article. That's why I'm so okay. confused because I've heard <laughs> him be being called ER Stapleton, uh-huh. and then I've heard him be called Raymond. But lots of um, aliases. <laughs> yes, but he provided police with a list of his uh, a list of names of his relationship partners uh-huh. and phone records. Um, now, after this, the police interest in him as a suspect diminished. Okay. Now, so they looked at him very did. deep, and then they figured out. I mean, he must have, I'm sure he passed whatever they were looking at and yes. alibis and, then, and such. Interestingly enough, Stapleton died in 1968 in Ooh, Emporia, so, Kansas, and he was okay. only 63 years old. And so he was buried, in Kansas. Yeah, he was in Kansas by that time, by 68. And he's buried in Mount Carmel Cemetery in Wolf City, Texas. So he's okay. not buried with Ruby. With her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually saw Ruby's grave today. That was one of the places yes. we went when we were doing some research. And um, she is by herself. And um, she's in the Memorial Gardens out there on the um, on the east side of town. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, yeah. Her, her, um, yeah, we'll post and it was we'll very that. pretty. Yes. Very, very okay. pretty. So that is suspect number one. Now suspect okay. number two is Oren Ray Hayes. Now this was the Orin. suspect that I heard hmm. quite a bit about when I first started looking at this case, because mm-hmm. this was the, this was the suspect my family had heard about. Um, okay. So this was this. There was a lot of chatter about this one in the town of Searcy. That um, he was crazy, right? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, well, according according to AY Magazine, <laughs> who, like I said, had some kind of access to the file, mm, several okay. people around town, probably my my nanny, tried to connect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> probably hard. Um, oh. 
You know, she likes to tell ghost stories too. I mean, she was Ooh, like, just like it. me. Yeah. She's like, yeah. <laughs> she loved ghost stories and anything just kind of just in that hmm. dark kind of whatever. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So several people around town tried to connect this Hayes dude to, mm-hmm. um, to the case. The okay. motive they thought was retaliation because Ruby Stapleton worked really hard to keep alcohol out of the hands of Harding kids. <laughs> Okay. That was, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was her pastime. And that's and cool. he worked yeah. really hard to put it in their hands. <laughs> it sounds like he did. I okay. Think he might have been a bootlegger or something mm. like that. Allegedly. Mm. Let me just say allegedly. a big allegedly all the way. All of it. Allegedly, allegedly. he was crazy and giving drink to the hearty. Giving drink. Do you say giving drink? Yes. Um, okay. So rumors circulated also. Um, and, you know, Cersei... Cersei's mm-hmm. like every other town rumor gets going and oh, it'll yeah. circle around 10 times and sound completely different. So who knows? But the rumor <laughs> yes. circulating, this is according to AY magazine was that mm-hmm. Hayes had taken some bloody clothes to a laundromat. And I'm not sure if it was the same one hmm. after the murder. <laughs> yeah. That would be weird. <laughs> yes. And not and telling. Yeah. No. And, and that his really vehicle dumb. was seen. Oh wait, mm-hmm. it was, I did write this and I forgot it. Oh, it was the same one. What the crap, man? Surely what not. What the crap? <laughs> that does sound yeah. like a good rumor. I mean, seriously, like bloody clothes to the same So, laundromat. yeah, he mm. wasn't smart. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, Allegedly. And, <laughs> yes. And like I said, uh, at this time, people were just scared to death. Like um, mm. I, one of my one of my aunts said she would never go back. Or she didn't like to go back to that laundromat after, oh, wow. after this happened. It scared her to death. Yeah, she would yeah, go with Nanny. She know. would go with Nanny to do clothes because Nanny mm-hmm. didn't get a washer dryer, you know, till mm-hmm. well into the '60s. So she would, and she lived in that area for a while. So she'd go to that mm-hmm. laundromat and take, you know, her granddaughters with her or whatever. So nobody wanted to go after that. So I'm so um, thankful we have, you know, washer and dryers in our house. Yeah, I am too. Even though Except I do, for like you, I said, when you're, I, I do like a laundromat. in your neighborhood. Yeah. I guess I was, I was more excited about going to that because let me tell you, I live, not to tell everybody where I live, but I Mm -hmm. live on that side of town. And so there Mm -hmm. is a brand new laundromat actually across the street from that old one. Uh, Yeah. Think about that. That's there is. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. right there across from bowling alley. So yeah, yeah, there is a bowling or there is a, a washeteria there, but it's not the same one. Yeah. So police mm-hmm. did get a hold of Mr. Hayes and they interviewed mm-hmm. him. And, um, you know, a month after the homicide, he was mm-hmm. held. It says he was held for questioning and the death. Oh, wait. No, this is different. So he okay. was interviewed and released. Then a month okay. later, now write this one down on your little notepad okay. you've got going okay. over there. A gotcha. month later, Stapleton. Uh, a month after Stapleton's homicide, mm-hmm. Warren Ray Hayes was held for questioning in the death of his own wife, who died of strychnine poisoning. Oh, my. Yes. Oh. Yes. I forgot that little tidbit. All right. So, however, the county coroner said in an investigation that it turned up no evidence to support bringing charges and ordered Hayes' release. Wait. 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 wait, wait. So what? <laughs> yes. So she died True. of poisoning. And, yes, oh and my. I and I just now remembered. I was told that story before by one of my family members okay. about the, the strychnine poisoning. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. So then, then in okay. 1971, he was charged with possessing stolen property. The case mm. was dismissed. Mm. 
And I'm like, mm-hmm. what in the world? This has to be the luckiest dude ever. Um, yeah, what's that up with sa- this? <laughs> what is up with this? The same hmm. year he was convicted, though, of grand larceny and burglary. But okay. the conviction was overturned. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> this guy is like a cat with his nine lives or something. What's I was up? Gonna, I was going to say like Teflon. Who does he Nothing know? Sticks. Who does he know? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but we will talk more about Orrin That's Ray weird. Hayes in okay, episode good. two. So, so okay. to be continued more to with come. him as well. More to On, come. Or, yes. Orin? We're, we're going to do Orin. 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 Yes, Orin. we're going to do a okay. deep dive into the suspects and a deeper dive into the crime mm-hmm. scene in uh, number two. We're just kind of okay. scratching the surface on this one. Um, okay, this has so a third, lot to it. This is so. a lot. Yes, mm-hmm. um, third gotcha. suspect is mm-hmm. Roger Burns, and according okay. again to AY Magazine, investigators were questioning sex offenders and known peeping toms and oh, flashers. Okay. So they were rounding up all <gasps> flashers. the flashers oh. and the peeping toms and talking to I, I just keep thinking of that Ray Stevens song, you know, the streak. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. They just kept rounding or they rounded oh them up and, and talked to them. Okay. Um, so well, this, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, because, and this is true. Uh, this mm-hmm. is statistically true that peeping toms, like doing all that, that's like mm-hmm. step one. Right. Yes. So that you do that. Into... That leads into some of this uh, mm-hmm. other stuff. So, um, yeah. in night, or I'm sorry, in 2009, like stalker. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. True, true. Mm-hmm. So in 2014, this aspect of the case was a re- was revived. Okay, when okay. Colonel J.R. Howard um, speculated that an Air Force radar technician named Roger Burns could have possibly okay. killed Stapleton. So okay. yeah, so this is a new huh. suspect. This is number three. If you're writing this down, and if this ta- was in if you're taking 2014, notes. yeah, this gotcha. was in 2014. So Roger Burns is this one. So while wow. stationed near Belleville, Illinois, in 1965, mm-hmm. Burns confessed to abducting a woman named Roseanne Curran from a laundromat and killing her. Oh, yep. oh. He wrapped the body in a blanket and dumped her in a wooded area. Hmm. That does. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. close. Now Sounding. he cut, he, hmm. I'm sorry. He came back the following night. So he came back again. And when he came back the second time, he cut off her clothing and mutilated the body. Oh yeah. Oh. So Burns pled guilty to Curran's murder saying he had uncontrollable urges to torture women. He said the impulses were occurring more frequently and was becoming more difficult to resist. So this is from AY magazine. So, so then, what year was that? Sorry. 1965. So, so he was convicted of that in 1965. So he could have easily have done the Ruby in 1963. Well, yeah. Maybe. So uh, alleged. So special agent, uh, ASP special agent David Moss then tried to determine if Burns had been stationed at the missile silo here in White County mm-hmm. at the time oh. of the murder. And you know where that's at, right? Ye- that's, isn't, yeah, it's, six, yeah. it's North uh, Highway 16. Yes. Yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. yes, it's right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So he contacted several departments uh, and, you know, he he could not locate any files that would mm-hmm. corroborate that. The records from 1963 were destroyed in 1994. <laughs> you never destroy records. I know, people. I know, people. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Burns was sentenced to 198 years in prison for that one. He was paroled though in 2008. He then violated his parole oh my. and was committed to a mental institution in 2010. 
So that's Ooh, the bird okay. story so far. But we will go back to all the all of those. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of wow factors in this. Um, So the very last thing that I wanted to talk about before we end part one is the fight to get information that Mm -hmm. Ruby's family uh, has faced, you know, in the last few years. So, you know, many, many years have gone by and um, the case has been pretty much at a standstill. So in 2013, Ruby's granddaughter filed a request under the State Freedom of Information Act uh, mm-hmm. saying, or saying she wanted the records so she could gain yes. closure for her mother and her family. And um, so this all happened in 2013. She was denied. Yes. She wanted mm-hmm. to look at the entire file and um, they said no. They said that the you- case was still being open or okay. still being investigated. To- yes. yes. And do you, okay. And do you want me to go into this? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Okay, so we, Amber did get me um, her name, and um, and her name is Heather, yeah, so I will say that. Ri- yeah, she's written about it um, and, on several platforms online. And, and she does have um, a Facebook group, um, so just FYI on that. But um, she did mention that actually in 1993, the family like they were moving to New Jersey. So they were leaving Arkansas or whatever. And so her and her parents were able to get access to the file. Like she, you know, they let them go through it in 1993. And at that time it was super thick. So they saw the information and it was a lot of information. So yes, like you were saying in 2013, um, she had actually wanted to get the file. And then she actually had wanted to submit uh, Ruby's, uh, file to like the cold justice i believe um do you remember yes, that the tnt cold justice show yes and yes. so in order to to do that like you can't actually do that evidently it has to be done by the law enforcement agency so she had actually reached out you know of course the the white county um sheriff's office were like yeah we would be glad to and then the Cersei pd said yes but actually they they didn't have the file i mean arkansas state police had the file so when she reached out to them to get the file and to ask for this it was all rejected and then she had to go into like fighting for it it went all the way to the supreme court well arkansas supreme court yes arkansas supreme yes. court and she did actually finally get a copy of the file but it was like illegible i mean and it was tiny um and she did say that she had to actually go to the headquarters to get legible copies so it was nothing like what the family had viewed in 1993 1993. was it the same size was it i mean no was it redacted it it wasn't redacted she just felt like it was almost pieced together like it was not the same like what they had seen back then was huge, like a huge right. file. Right. And this well, was kind of like thrown together. So well, what was so interesting to me when I was reading about this FOIA, because you know, that's what I used to do. I used to be a public yes. information officer. And so I was all about this and I was, you know, reading about the request and whatnot. Um, so in November, 2013, after she'd been denied, the Keach law firm made a, another formal request under FOIA to get a copy of the case file uh, and other materials related to the Arkansas State Police investigation. Well, ASP denied the request again, maintaining the investigation was ongoing and the information mm-hmm. was exempt from FOIA. 
So, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I had cases like that too, where I just couldn't talk to anybody because it was still under investigation. But at the time it was actively being investigated. So that was very Mm -hmm. much true. And um, this file so, was over, it was like, what, over 50 years old? Yeah, it was 50, it was 50 old, years yeah. old. And that was mm-hmm. what their argument was. Um, so in December 2013, Kitch filed a complaint again uh, against uh, Arkansas State Police in circuit court, asking the court to compel disclosure under FOIA. Um, and then the Arkansas State Police once again maintained the material was exempt under FOIA because it was mm-hmm. the subject of an open and ongoing investigation into Stapleton's murder. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it was, and, and there was a little bit of time where both parties were uh, filing various things, affidavits, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So eventually, the court conducted an in-camera inspection of the case in January 2016. After this review, the court found that the case is not an on an open and ongoing mm-hmm. law enforcement investigation. The court also yeah. found that the claimed exemption did not apply and accordingly ordered Arkansas State Police to turn over the file. Mm-hmm. Um, then Arkansas State Police appealed and a stay was granted pending appeal. And it just kind of went on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Pulaski County Circuit Judge Mackie Pierce in August 2014 uh, told investigators that they must either prove to him that the investigation into Stapleton's murder is ongoing and open or provide a copy to the family. And then Mm -hmm. again, we have another person that came in, Jennifer Merritt, on behalf of the police, arguing that the open records law... um, the open records law exempts open and ongoing investigations from disclosure. Now, according to, according to them, it was assigned to the special, it was assigned to the special investigations unit of Arkansas state police, which is actively pursuing leads recently generated quote unquote. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. So disclosure of the contents of the Stapleton case file would hamper police's ability to investigate the crime, according to them. So very, very, very interesting. Interesting. Sorry. I, I, I probably would be like, um, you had 50 years. <laughs> uh, 50. So then, so then <laughs> in April, 2017, Justice Rhonda Wood wrote the unanimous opinion. No charges have been brought or appear to be imminent. The victim's family mm-hmm. and the public are entitled to know how the officials in this case, i.e. law enforcement performed their duties. Mm-hmm. So this dispute just went on and on and on. But at the end of the day, they were allowed to look. But according to the family, it was it it, it seemed to be a different uh, size file than what they had seen in 1993 when her mother was allowed to look at the file. And from what I read, I think that ASP brought it down to the White County Sheriff's Office and let them look at it there in 1993. Yes, mm-hmm. in 1993. And just yeah. a totally different file. So, I I mean, I don't know, but I can imagine in 50 years, you know, you always hear about things going missing, evidence missing, things happen. And I know that things happen, but I think that all of that kind of backpedaling or trying to put the family off was really so they could get together file. <laughs> like, I think it was probably like an oh no. <laughs> Like, where did this go? I mean, seriously, like just needed time to even get it together. Cause I, I, it doesn't make sense otherwise. Well, I mean, but like, but you did say in 2014 that they were talking about this, 
this burns as of 2014, yes. correct? And that, so. that's probably where that argument came from, that mm-hmm. they had just generated a new lead. Now, yeah. I don't know if the burns, um, I don't know if that went anywhere because I've, I have found nothing else on it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. I will tell hmm. you this, uh, working in law enforcement from, you know, I was in that position where that's what I would do. People would file FOIA requests with me and I would have a certain number of days to get them their information. But um, there were times when I would say this is under investigation and Mm -hmm. I can't release it, but it is because it was actively being looked at by, you know, CID or whatever. So Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Which makes sense if it It is active, but 60 years or 50 Mm -hmm. years, that's a little bit, that's a little bit different. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, if uh, they were just so frustrated, she said, you know, and of course just, I'm sure I would be you too. know, disgusted and frustrated and like, are you serious? I, I mean, it's just, it's like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So I and, don't know. You know, this went from in the sixties, probably being one of the most talked about cases in Cersei to now here we are 60 years later and a lot of people mm-hmm. don't even know about it but there's yeah. never been like you said there's never been justice for the family and there's never mm-hmm. been closure yeah and no one had been arrested and whatnot yeah so I'm I'm proud of that judge's response <laughs> oh yeah yeah that I, makes sense you know and I like I said I this is what I did for a long time was generate FOIA responses and requests and whatnot but I, I really feel like they should have been able to look at that file without all mm-hmm. the to do, but that's just oh, my yeah. opinion. I'm all not a that, justice well, or anything, but that's my opinion. Well, four years of paying attorneys to fight for it. That's oh, gosh. all that, you know? Yeah. Don't even yeah. get me started, but yeah, that's terrible. So, yeah. Ugh, so, this, so yeah. here, here we are, okay. you know, that yes. was act okay. one. Um, we, we still have a, a long way to go because mm-hmm. there are some details about the initial suspects and then mm-hmm. hopefully we are going to get a get to take a peek at a few things in the coming weeks and you know we are going to put uh part two out pretty soon but then part three yes. may be a couple of weeks down the road we don't know yet yes. yeah so this is this is going to be a series but this is part yeah. this is only part one guys so yes. if it feels like Just... we haven't really completed <laughs> our mission it's because we haven't we're still actively yeah. pursuing mm-hmm. um this story and we're both yes. very invested and very interested because this is our hometown Yes. And yeah, it's one of a handful of unsolved cases that we have here in Cersei. So, you know, we would, we would love for this family to get justice Mm -hmm. and closure. Yes. Yes, definitely. We wish that. Yeah. Just for everybody. It's just so sad. It's like, I wish that everyone that did something like terrible, like this bad would like on their deathbed, like write a note or leave it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just tell people what you did. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Just please. You know, and we said, you know, we said this when we or just yeah. don't do bad things, but you know, exactly. whatever. We said this when we started that some things are just never going to be expli- explained. I hope this one is though. Yeah, I hope, I hope so. that. And you know, you said something earlier about DNA. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and to my knowledge, yeah. there was. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I really didn't I mean, know. DNA that was one really of our... wasn't. I mean, I, don't I just know. wondered if they had physical evidence, evidence or even right, kept right. it to do the testing and get you know because nowadays the testing I is honestly just doubt so it. 
I, I mean, I doubt it too, because if they didn't even keep the real file from 93 to 2017, you know, they lost yeah. stuff in between. They probably didn't have, I mean, and then it's the 60s. I don't know. I don't know what they would have kept, you know, would they have kept fingernail? I mean, now you would think, okay, you're going to, you know, make sure you get all the hair and fiber, fingernail exactly. clippings. Like you're going to do everything, even in like, well, even in the 90s, they would do well, that. I so say, I don't they, know. In the 90s, they did that because they knew it was coming. They knew that DNA was coming. It wasn't yes. quite there, there yet, but they But they I wonder, did. I guess that's my question to people. If you know, let me know, law enforcement. Like, when did you start thinking about all that physical evidence? Like yeah. hair, fibers, fingernail clippings. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously now you would get, which she, her body was decomposed quite a bit. So that would make things different too. Uh, but even, you know, nowadays you could even get um, DNA from maybe even like that belt that was there or whatever, you exactly. know? So, yeah. So what, so where's anywho. the belt? Where's the button? Yeah. I mean, where did those go? But who, who knows? But um, it's just crazy. I don't know. So many questions. So many yeah, questions. Yeah. There's still, but... there's a lot of questions. Like I said, you know, we're mm-hmm. barely scratching the surface on this and, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you'll have um, a lot of questions when <laughs> we get off the podcast, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's it. That's all I have for okay. today. Okay. And um, I wanted to just kind of close up by, you know, giving a few announcements. Like I said, yes. we did have our contest and we have our winner. So yay. We've met our goal of a thousand people on Facebook and yes. a thousand on Instagram. So and I'm thank very you. Proud I think there us. was like at least, what do you think? 50 or so entries? Oh gosh. Yes. Yes. It's forever so to write everybody's you. name down. Some yes. people we wrote three or four times because yes. they shared so many times. We're, <laughs> yes. we're, we're overwhelmed. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, we're overwhelmed by the support. And of course, like I said mm. uh, a couple of podcasts we love ago, you. we do. We love you. We always say that. <laughs> but, you know, we're getting better as we progress, right? Yes. We're starting to really feel comfortable in the podcasting zone. So stick with us because we've got yes. a lot of fun things that are coming up mm-hmm. really, really soon. Our next case, uh, we will be doing a little bit of a field trip for that. And Mm -hmm. we will have some information. Stay tuned. Yes, we will have some information on that in the coming days. So, Lisa, do you have anything else? Um, Just that you need to uh, tell them all about the new countries, like the New New Zealand. I I think it's just New Zealand. Is that the only Uh, one? Whatever. I feel like Finland was (laughs) new. I feel Finland like Finland was, was there. there. We've been arguing about Finland all night. You know, we could go back and listen to our old <laughs> podcast where you yeah. make me name off the countries and then we I could guess. tell. Okay. So I will, I will name them off again because uh-huh. that just like, that just gives uh-huh. you like a shot of dopamine. It so does. I guess, yeah. So thing. I guess I will, I will name them off. Okay. okay. So U.S., Canada, Poland, France, Australia, Finland, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, Turkey, Italy, Thailand, Switzerland, Norway, Slovakia, United Kingdom, Sweden. Uh, and wait, was Sweden always there? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. telling you, Amber, that was 17 and the last count was 15. So okay, Finland right. and New Zealand. I'm just saying, I remember. <laughs> hey, you know, I just. Okay. 17 new- countries, guys. I just got a new DNA estimate on Ancestry and Finland popped up. So maybe it's one of my relatives. (gasps) Oh my goodness. You know how it does the little circle, the little color, you know, if you have, if you have DNA there, well, Finland has lighted up. So obviously I've got, what do you call it? Finnish? I guess I have some Finnish Finnish ancestry. 
Yeah. I don't know. Daryl yeah. was like, isn't Finland like where the people like in the movie Frozen lived? And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. No <laughs> Whatever. idea. I was like, yeah. Anna and Elsa? What are you talking yeah. about? But anyway, well, um, I, I do. I, go ahead. No, I will say this, please. Um, yeah, we're so we are just two months in and we're we're really amping up some stuff. And of course, like down the road, maybe this summer or later or fall or whatever, we're looking at like merch coming, like all kinds of things are on the horizon. But I do want to say, please go in and rate us. You've got to help us out. So yes, please, if you're listening, important. go rate us um, and then go follow us and then also share. So, you know, 50 plus of you did share and we so appreciate it. And that then we're so getting sweet. so many. It is. And um, we will be, I do want to get us a post office box. So a PO box. So if you wanted to uh, like mail, you know, us, we're going to have that. So we've got the email, the unexplained Arkansas at Gmail. Yeah, I haven't and then had a post messaging. office box in years. I, I used to have one <laughs> yeah. when I was in my twenties and I thought I was, oh. like, so, I thought I was so grown up because I had my own post office box. Oh, and I really don't know why I had one. I lived in a park. That's really weird. That's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I did. You and your post office, office box. box. Okay. <laughs> what, whatever, Ambie. Whatever, Ambie. But um, especially if you're in these countries and even everyone that is American like us, you know, um, just please send us a message, okay? Just yeah. let us know where, oh, you, where you're at, where you're listening from. So I yeah. do want to read um, two oh, new, yes. um, yeah, read two new things we got. Yes, two new reviews. Okay, the, okay. this one. Um, is from Great to Be Free Again. Uh, it says, Ooh. so good. Five stars. My oldest son absolutely loved Amber as a teacher when she... Aw, that's so sweet. Uh, I am loving these podcasts. Very tactful comedy with detailed stories. Keep up the great Aww. work, ladies. Oh, we're tactful. Yay! Yay. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's I am. One. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure. All right. So I listened to a lot of different... This is from... Taylor and Rex. Okay. Ooh. Avid podcast listener. Um, I listen to a lot of different podcasts as an Arkansan true crime and paranormal fan. I love that this podcast got, uh, got put on my radar. I'm learning so much about my own state. I have even Aww. asked my mom about some of the cases that happened. Ooh, so, share, yeah. share, mm-hmm. share, share. Mm. Yes. Yes. So fantastic yes. show. Make, uh, makes the drive to work fun. Okay, so Aww. there's the two latest ones right there. So, oh, I love I love the messages. Yeah. And we've had some we've had some emails too, but I don't have them pulled up and I'll okay. I'll read them on the I, next one on part two. I am really bad about going into the email, I'll be honest. So I will try to no, I keep, do better. But... I keep a check on our email like you do okay. the Instagram messages. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I try to do the Instagram and anyway, if you're if you it just yeah, just yeah, sometimes, you know. Sometimes I sub people. Yeah. Sometimes I sometimes sub. Sometimes she works. Tom- yeah. But as far as <laughs> sometimes our. I work. As far as Thanks. emails. Yeah. Kit sent us uh, two more Aww. stories. So we're going to look into those. So our our yeah. buddy Kip. Yes. Yes. Probably. Um, um, yeah. Another listener series coming down the road. We yeah, have so many stories. coming down the road. We're going to be covering Al Capone and his connection uh, to Arkansas and uh, Amber's working on the Bigfoots and we still have 27 more also, episodes of Ruby. The, the cattle. Yeah. Did you say 27 more uh, episodes? 
No, but I'm saying Ruby, Ruby is very important to us. So we, yes, you know, she we're, is. We're we, we have at least two. Uh, we are. Two. Yes. Um, and then I also have a, something I'm working on. It was a listener tip. Um, yes. There was supposedly some cattle mutilations mm. uh, that happened in the late seventies. And uh, my son and I went to the archives at the Butler center and did find um, some information on that and it's pretty interesting because apparently there were those Mm -hmm. kinds of things happening all around the country at that time period so we're going to do uh we'll do a show on that because it is interesting yeah Yeah. so that's what's coming up that is what is coming up coming yeah so we do any 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 business what i don't have any any. more business gave all my business blair can i go now um (laughs) no she calls me blair by the way because she's joe from facts of life yeah yeah we are oh we're gonna we should as it gets closer to halloween we're gonna have them vote on which costumes we are yeah she wants us to be blair and joe (laughs) for halloween and i want to be thelma and daphne but we'll see which one wins we're not even close to halloween yet so all right so that's it and we are so happy that you guys listened and we will see you soon for part two of the ruby stapleton case thank you bye see ya